0: Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is the founder of Sober Mom Squad, Emily Lynn Paulson. Four years ago, Emily Lynn Paulson's Instagram was full of lies. Her feed portrayed her as a perfect mother of five children and a multi-million dollar network marketer, but it didn't reveal her slurred voice behind her Prosecco made me do it shirt. Now she helps other moms come clean with themselves and get sober. She's teamed up with fellow influencers to form the Sober Mom Squad, a virtual community created during the COVID-19 pandemic that started with an Instagram post she made asked, that she made asking how she could be of service to her audience. Um, sober since January 2nd? 2017, she has appeared on media outlets including The Doctors, Parade, Today, Parents, and USA Today discussing how to end the shame and stigma of mental health and substance abuse. Welcome to the show, Emily. Nice to have you here. Thank you for having me. So I guess we can say, well, during COVID-19, the pandemic, something very positive for you and for many women, I assume, many moms, uh, was created. This virtual community, the Sober Mom Squad, um, which is a good thing. And I, as I'm making the assumption that for many years, you, as you say, you were hiding behind the Prosecco. So how did that happen? What were you doing and how did you decide or when did you decide exactly to come clean Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, one thing which I I usually like to preface any interview with is this idea of a mommy wine culture. And I think this is something that's kind of come to light recently in in media. And There's been articles about it. Um, And just a little bit about what that is because I was personally trapped up in it and and wrapped up in it, hence the Prosecco Made Me Do It shirt. Um, It's those messages that we see all the time. It's the kitschy T-shirts, the funny mugs, you know, the coffee mugs that say this may be wine, all of the marketing geared towards moms, the pretty pink cans, everything at the checkout aisle, easy to grab at the drugstore. Um, And it just kind of dulls down the actual danger of daily drinking and And I was really trapped up in that for a long time. You know, I can look back through my life and see that drinking was definitely a problem um, during periods of my life. However, I was able to stop for five pregnancies. You know, I have five children i didn 't drink for nine months at a time each each child, um, and I was able to quit for periods of time and I also don 't come from parents who were drinkers and so I always looked to this like, well, it must not be a problem, even when it did when I did feel like it was a problem. And I would always look to those funny jokes, those memes, um, to just kind of justify and and reassure myself that, oh, this is just normal. This is just what people do. I haven't had any consequences yet. Nothing bad has happened until it did. Um, I did start to have problems in my marriage. Um, I was keeping it all together until I wasn't, until I was forgetting to send the lunch money and the field trip form, until I... Um, you know, got pulled over and ended up getting a DUI and that really ultimately started to scare me enough and and what it really did was brought to the forefront with my family. You know, I had to confront uh, my children to say, okay, I got this, you know, this drinking-related driving offense and now I have this breathalyzer in my car. <laughs> it was the first time I really had to put a word to it and
0: I Am want to take it back because yeah. you said it wasn't just your children, and uh, yes, you got stopped for drunken driving and uh, not filling out the right forms for the kids for school permission slips, those kinds of mm-hmm. things. But you also said trouble in your marriage. So what happened with your mm-hmm. husband? How uh, did he confront you? Was there an intervention, or what went on well, so that it? Yeah, yeah. So it was. It was. Uh, it was really just
1: the dishonesty piece of it. It was. Um, you know, hiding text messages. It was, you know, hiding, um, you know, hiding how much I was drinking, um, you know, drinking when I said I wouldn't be, um, and, and really keeping it, keeping it a secret. Uh, so it was more of the honesty piece and which just erodes, uh, a relationship. Um, so yeah, we, we, you know, there's, there's there's a lot that goes on obviously in relationships but I think alcohol just amplifies any any problems there.
0: Drinking before noon, drinking in the morning, drinking after the kids go to school, what was the pattern?
1: Yeah, so that's another thing that kind of I think keeps keeps people from thinking there's a problem is Sure, was there drinking in the morning? Oh, maybe on like a, a brunch where there's mimosas, bottomless mimosas. Again, that's so normalized. And the reality is drinking in the morning is problematic. What I found is that I would start drinking before I went out to meet a friends. And then I would come back and still continue to drink. If I opened a bottle of wine, I would finish it, sometimes open another one. So it was truly like the amount that I was drinking. And and the inner knowing that it was a lot, right? The inner knowing that I would hide the bottles. Um, I would, you know, I was embarrassed and my recycling bin by how much was in there. And, and so there was just this inner knowing in this uh this the, the hiding of it and and even if it wasn't a, a strictly lying like, oh no, I didn't drink today, it was just not saying I was drinking. Oh yeah, I've already had a bottle of wine, you know, before we're sitting down to have this glass. Uh, just not coming clean with other people,
0: just you can't be clean with yourself. It it sounds like as you're describing it, because people, you know, I'm, it's very difficult to admit one is a problem drinker, one to say, I am a problem drinker, or I'm an alcoholic, or, you know, there are all kinds Mm -hmm. of excuses. Um, And one thing is, I'm listening to you, it just sounds like there's just kind of a gut feeling. I'm, I'm really not doing the right. Or feeling. I'm, I'm. This isn't right. Even, and I'm doing things to cover up. Whatever it is, right? It's. It's sort of. It's. It doesn't really fit with someone who right. doesn't have a problem with drinking. Okay.
1: Exactly, um, and and it's insidious. And I
0: can,
1: it is. It is. And I can look at the number of times I Googled, am I an alcoholic? (laughs) And yet I would always see one or two things that didn't check that, you know, oh, I don't need to check that one. I don't need to check that one. I must not be. And when it comes down to it, if you're even going there, if you're considering that it's a problem, like it's at the very least not serving you. And so I think that idea of the black and white, you're either an alcoholic, you're either not, um, has just is a very harmful message that we've been sold and that we believe, and that it really is a spectrum.
0: I, I think that's true. And uh, as a social worker, I worked for many years in an alcoholism treatment center. So everything that you're saying really does ring true. And I think even amongst the professionals, it, it's it's. It's true about what you're saying, and the fact that it's not black or white. You're an alcoholic, or you're not. There's a there is a continuum, as you say. I mean, you. I think one example that you gave. You said, "Well, here I've had five kids. I could stop for nine months and not drink." And that used to be one of the mm-hmm. criteria. Well, if you can stop, then you're not a. You don't have a problem. It's only if you can't stop. Well, that's not quite true, um, and it sort of bears out with what you're saying. Okay. Um. All right. So bring us up to the point where. Hey, this, this isn't work. I, I do have a problem. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it it really was, again, the breathalyzer in the car. Um, and I think this is, this also is, is part of it too. People think they do need to hit rock bottom, right? Well, I haven't had the consequences. It must not be a problem. And like, they're just waiting. Like it's eventually going to happen if you're at that point. Um, because you know, that's what happened is, oh, I haven't had a DUI. I haven't gotten in trouble until I did. And so having this conversation with my kids, like, this is why I have a breathalyzer in the car, you know, this is, <laughs> this, I got in trouble, and this is my consequence. And talking to them, I realized I hadn't been hiding it as well as I thought. I thought that, yeah, just, I, I kind of was, you know, had this problem, and I was trying to control it, and I wasn't being very successful at, at it, and, but the kids were spared. They didn't necessarily know I didn't send them a field trip form. They didn't necessarily know. Well, unfortunately, none of that was true because once I started talking to my kids about it, who were very young at the time, I mean, my oldest was only 11 and, um, his younger sister, who's nine, uh, you know, I had the conversation with them first and, and they were very matter of fact, like, oh, okay, you know, this is what, this is your consequences and this is what you have to do. And then all the questions started coming. Like, well, why do you drink if you can get in so much big trouble for it? And, you know, why do they sell alcohol at restaurants and then you drive home after if, if it's illegal? And it just started all these questions and then all of these stories about, oh, I remember when you guys had a big party at the house and so-and-so was really loud and swearing and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, it was just a very confronting moment as I'm driving home, listening to them basically tell me all of the things I thought I was hiding from them. And, and that was the point where I was like, okay, this, this needs to be addressed. And, and, you know, I, I tried to control it myself for another couple of weeks. And I woke up actually New Year's day after just a normal night out, normal, uh, just having a few drinks with friends, dinner, went to bed just shortly after midnight and I had blacked out the entire weekend. And that was the point, like I was laying in bed listening to my kids downstairs and my husband again, you know, taking care of everything when I was hungover. And thinking like I'm just eliminating myself. This is the only point lower than this is just me not being here. And and that was enough for me to, to say I gotta I gotta get a hold of this and get help. And and so I did start going to AA. I started working with a therapist, and um, I never had a drink
0: after that day. That's January second, twenty seventeen, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, technically it was a first, but I still consider that there was alcohol in my system. So I I say the second is my my first sobriety day.
0: And, uh, you know, in terms of AA, now do you go to AA? uh, How many times a week do you go to AA?
1: Um, So I still do have a home group and um, I go probably every other week. Of course, now it's virtual uh, with COVID. But, um, you know, at first I I went every single day, sometimes twice a day. I, I just needed um, I needed to be around other people who understood and, uh, I needed to know more about, I, I needed to know that I would be okay. I just needed that environment.
0: Now, what about now, let's bring it up to the present or bringing up to co- the pandemic and the sober mm-hmm. mom squad. How did that evolve? What happened? How did you, why didn't how yeah. did you decide to do that? Because that is a very, I don't want to say very cool thing, but it's, it's, uh, I think it's just a great idea, and obviously helpful to a lot of people and families and children, so okay, so yeah. virtue of yeah know.
1: sure, so you know through my own sobriety, I ended up finding recovery coaching. I started writing about my experience, and, and I became a, a recovery coach, and so I was personally working with women one on one who were in the place really where I was when I was deciding what to do and and trying to hook women up with resources, help them through mental blocks that they were having. So uh, typically the women I was working with were the women who had reached those consequences like I did, the women who had gotten a DUI, women who were having trouble at work, whatever. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and I was getting just questions left and right from panicked moms who were saying, okay, I thought I was a social drinker. I've always told myself I was a social drinker. Well, now I'm home and I'm alone alone. And I'm drinking every night, and my kids are watching me. And now, um, you know, I was controlling my stress, I thought. I was having a glass of wine at night, and I thought I was controlling my stress. And now my stress level is through the roof, and now I'm drinking more and more and more, and it's the drinking's not working. And again, my kids are watching. And, and so all of a sudden, it was these women in this gray area that they had no consequences. They have never questioned their drinking ever. And all of a sudden, they're saying, oh, my gosh, this is this is a problem or this could be a problem. And so, at the same time, I'm, like, wanting to help, but I also have my own kids at home. <laughs> so, <laughs> my time is, is limited. And so, honestly, I just, I went on Instagram and I, I said, hey, this is what I'm seeing. You know, other silver coaches, you know, people in the recovery community, is this what you're seeing? And what can we do? Like, how can we help? And so the first four women who responded to me, who were also other um, either recovery coaches or just people in the recovery space, who said, yeah, I'm seeing the same thing, um, let's do something. And, and so honestly, we came together and said, let's just throw together a Zoom meeting every week, you know, for moms, talk about whatever you want, having to do with new homeschooling, trying to juggle working around your kids, you know, even if it's just how to boost your Wi-Fi signal now that everyone's on Zoom, doesn't matter, um, it's a safe place to talk. And it's going to be completely free of all of the wine memes and wine jokes. Because that was the other thing that was showing up right around this time is, you know, all these funny, you know, it takes a, takes a vineyard to homeschool your kids and, um, you know, quarantinis and ha, ha, ha. It was almost this unspoken, you need to drink more now, mom, because, man, this is hard. And so we wanted to take that out of the equation. Like, this is a safe place to be. If you're questioning your drinking, you're safe here. Even if you're not sure if you're questioning your drinking and you just want a place to go, um, if you're sober curious, if you have years of recovery, it doesn't matter. And so rather than being like a specific recovery space, it's just a safe place for moms that is not focused on alcohol.
0: And so all of you, and I guess as I see it, you have four co-hosts, you being one of Mm -hmm. them. From different backgrounds, yeah, yeah. you're all from different states, and I guess you all bring something different to the table. What are some of those differences? For sure. So it's, it's the whole spectrum. Um, I would
1: say I'm kind of in the middle with my story. Um, and then we've got a mom who basically just thought she was drinking too much, just really was, was, had a lot of self-awareness, um, just felt like she was going in a direction she didn't like and just one day decided to stop. And, and so a lot of people can identify with that like not needing a rock bottom and just wanting to be done and then on the other end you know we've got a woman who you know found alcohol really early to cope with things and know had a lot of trauma and um, you know ended up going you know deep into heroin and was homeless I mean and so we've got the whole gamut of everything there 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 isn't a person that' that you can't find identification with when you come into our group. Um, and we're all moms. And I think that's the beauty of it is like, you know, she's over here, didn't have many consequences. She's over here, had a ton of consequences and everything in the middle. And we all are at the heart of it, dealing with the same things right now. And we can all get through it together.
0: Yeah, I think that's really important as you when you say that, because as you've mentioned, you just have different, sobriety journeys if you want to call it that and also you have a different family dynamics as i see mm-hmm. you have what the kids range from an infant to 16 years old so you have a lot of different mm-hmm. issues in terms of children right that you're coping with now during the pandemic um and different kinds of families um different is yeah, it different yeah absolutely yeah I want to just add this to it. is it different socioeconomic backgrounds as well as educational or are they more similar um, I would say that's that's a little more similar
1: and I think when when you're crowdsourcing from an online platform that you're all on I mean we all uh, you know we all kind of come from that that same place you know we're moms who've got um Kids, we you know we have social media, and so our you know I would say our socioeconomic and educational backgrounds are pretty similar. Um, but but yeah, I think the dynamic of us as moms, my you know my kids are on the older end, and and there's uh, you know a woman who just had a baby, and 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 navigating that, like when did you get sober? Um, which is a which is something we hear a lot, it's like you know talking to teenagers about it or getting sober before, you're, before you even have kids. And we have moms who or um, women who are just trying to get pregnant and, and women who are pregnant and, and now realizing they don't want to have that in their lives when they have kids. And, and so there's just, there's a lot of different um, experiences to draw from
0: and, and learn from. Now, well, let's say, how do you connect, let's say, or do, how does one connect with the sober mom squad? I mean, let's you're on every single week. You host this uh, free virtual meeting. What do you do? Like, say, someone's listening and they want to join you.
1: Yeah. So we have a website, SoberMomSquad.com, and it has all our information on there. And we do have, you know, we have a free meeting every Wednesday and a free facebook group. So those those resources we always want to keep free for everybody and then we also have an expanded a membership program if you want more meetings. We have up to 16 meetings a week plus other resources um parenting classes, uh you know, we have just like pop up pilates class. Uh we just whatever resources that moms are asking for in the group, um we had someone coming on and talking about um Self care and, and checking for uh, breast cancer. Breast cancer exams last month. Um, we've had someone come on and talk about um, overwhelm and parenting in the pandemic, and so um, it's just really a place where we can uh, we can go into more detail with the questions being asked in the group. So um, everything's on on our website, sobermomsquad.com, and we're also on Instagram and Facebook, also Silver Mom Squad.
0: Emily, what about if somebody wants do you make referrals? Let's say you sense or you're talking or somebody's involved in the group and they, it seems like they're really, really in trouble, really need to get serious help. Some people who may I always question this, like especially when things are virtual, like perhaps suicidal. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything or is that part of this or, or not or part of your team? Absolutely. And, yeah absolutely
1: one of our um, one of our hosts is a counselor and and that's one thing we're really clear about when people sign up too is 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 we ha- we have the connection piece and so if if you come on and you're sharing something that you know is 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 really deep and and kind of you know makes us worry <laughs> um right we we do have the resources there for crisis hotline um and and you know our therapy um resources for, for outpatient rehab we we do definitely have um space for referral uh luckily i, I think The great thing is is we make it really non-confrontational so that if you're here, you're not saying that you are going to stop drinking forever or that you have a problem. Like there's no labels here. If you just want to see what life is like without alcohol as a mom, like come and show up. You can be a fly on the wall. You don't have to use your real name. You can turn your video off. You can just kind of observe and that's fine. And And I think that takes away a lot of the shame and stigma for people. And I also think when people are at that, point where they are exploring and wanting to reach out um, and not isolating. I think that's where it can get scary when people aren't coming on the meetings, when people aren't um, reaching out for support. So we found that um, we really kind of extend that olive branch to people before they get to that scary place.
0: Yeah, uh, great idea, because now even for people who don't want to isolate, we're isolated. We're all isolating on some level. Mm-hmm. I mean, just as during this pandemic, I guess maybe since we only have a few minutes left, I just questioned. I want to ask you about like spouses. Sometimes spouses are enablers now. And if you're in a situation where you're mm-hmm. living and you are stuck with this, not I shouldn't say stuck, but you are at home more with your partner, uh, that can be, that could have consequences related to your drinking. Is this an issue?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that, that's one of the things that's great, I think, about the group is that it is a safe place to talk about that kind of thing um, as opposed to maybe in a bigger group where it's moms and people who are single and dads and, you know, where if you're complaining about your spouse, you can seem ungrateful, whatever. So, you know, we talk about partners. We talk about how we can focus on our side of the street. And and ultimately, it does come down to that, that there are people who have husbands who are enablers, for sure. There's people who have husbands who don't want them to stop drinking, right? Because that might be yeah. part of the DNA of their relationship. Uh, and there might be people who whose spouses are really encouraging them to, to, you know, ship them off to rehab because they really think they have a problem. I mean, we, we see everything. And ultimately, it comes down to, you know, you're here for this hour talking about what's on your heart and, and maybe this helps you get to that next step, but we, we have to focus on our own side of the street. A lot of sobriety is just focusing on what we can control and focusing on one thing at a time. And if you're here because you think drinking is a problem or you want to see how to deal with this parenting thing or this issue without alcohol, let's deal with that. And then. Let's, we, then we can talk about like what, what's next. You know, maybe we can hook you up with, with some sort of good marriage counselor through for, for your insurance so you, you and your husband can talk about this issue or maybe you can read this great book on codependency. Um, and there's always somebody, when somebody shares, there's always somebody else in the meeting who says, oh gosh, that was me three years ago or wow, I'm dealing with that now. And just a simple camaraderie of knowing you're not alone It's so healing for a lot of these women so they can actually make a decision. Um, They can can actually go forward and
0: and do something about the the situation that they're in. So this is the essential support group. It really is. I mean, as you're describing it, that's – and probably maybe you could tell us what, in terms of your own family, because your five children and your husband, what's been their response? Uh, they, they think it's great. Like my, my kids are like, even this morning,
1: my son's you know sitting and, and doing a little of his handwriting book. He's like, are you talking to your sober mom? And, and, you know, so they, they think it's, they think it's great that, because they've seen, they've been so involved in my process and they know how much it's benefited me, benefited them. And they know that that's happening for, for other people. Um, it's, it's, and I, what I think is, is the best part of it is showing other people that your personal pain, your personal struggle, your personal what you're going through now, it can turn around and also your life can be so much better than it was. Um, so it, it's it been a real blessing. And, and the fact that this came out of the pandemic, um, has, it, again, it's just it's been such a blessing. It's really something I feel like has needed to be out there. Um, it just filled a need that was there that we didn't even know was there. Yeah.
0: Well, you talk about it. it's your personal story, and your personal story is not always a unique story, even though we are new unique people, but our stories sometimes are not so unique. And, and as you mm-hmm. say, you can draw support from all of these women with different kinds of stories, different journeys, I should say. So, uh, yeah. So, all right. So, so the Sober Mom Squad, where are you guys going to go next? I mean, you know, this is, it sounds like it's only just begun. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've kind of just been letting the group um, decide
1: where we go. And, and so it, it's exciting to, it's exciting to kind of not know. Um, <laughs> we we definitely, our goal is always to keep our meetups, you know, our meetings over, over Zoom small so that it, Intimate enough that people can get to know each other and also share and have time to talk. Um, and so we will just continue to expand the number of meetings we offer as it grows just to keep it small. Um, and then beyond that, you know, we offer group coaching. We offer um, again webinars on different parenting, uh, parenting topics or anything that the group brings to us. And so we're just kind of evolving to see to meet the needs of, of the members who join us.
0: Great. Thanks so much for being on the show, first of all, and for all that information. I mean, you are. You're doing great stuff. I love it. Um, And we've been talking to Emily Lynn Paulson. She's the founder of Sober Mom. So you can go online and join the meeting if you want to. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show.